0: Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. At the beginning of Advent this past church year, I mentioned that my goal in preaching this year would be to focus primarily on the gospel lessons. And I suppose somehow it just never hit me how much during ordinary time we spend in the gospel according to Saint Luke. It's really been one of the predominant uh, gospels that we've seen uh, during this ordinary time. At the very beginning of the Trinity season, it was the third or fourth Sunday, we read a series of two parables that are found in Saint Luke's gospel. The first is the parable of the good shepherd who loses the one sheep, and then the woman who loses the coin, one out of ten coins, and she searches through her house. Those are the first two parables in what's called the Mercy Trilogy, uh, which culminates in the story of the prodigal son, which was a parable we read about two weeks ago on the ninth Sunday after Trinity. This Sunday keeps us in the Gospel according to St. Luke, and in fact, the parable that we read this morning pushes the themes that were found in the Mercy Trilogy forward in the Gospel. The occasion for this parable from Luke 18, which we heard read this morning, much like the Mercy Trilogy, pertains to the self-righteous that were around Jesus. But I think it's helpful to go back to the very beginning of the chapter in this gospel to understand exactly what Jesus is doing as he's telling these stories. At the very beginning of chapter 18, he tells a parable that we didn't read today, but that is important to understand the flow of what he's saying. We're told of a judge who neither feared God nor regarded man but a certain widow of the city kept coming to this judge and begging her to vindicate her begging him to vindicate her against someone who had wronged her while the judge was initially resistant to her effort he eventually relented saying she will wear me out by her continual coming the point is that if an unrighteous judge can relent to vindicate this poor widow how much more will God vindicate those of us who make up his church? So the parable is a way of encouraging his disciples to persevere and to trust in God's goodness. But immediately after that story concludes, Jesus tells the parable we heard today with the introduction of, to some who trusted themselves in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And we're familiar with this parable. Two men went to the temple to pray. The first man, a religious man, was a Pharisee, and he prays by exalting himself. I thank thee that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get." The pride of the Pharisee stands in stark juxtaposition against the humility of the tax collector who beat his breast and refused to lift his eyes to heaven, crying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Sometimes, from a human perspective, it's hard to tell whether people are acting out of righteous motives or if they're self-interested. It's hard to see through all the layers of complications to the heart of the matter. However, in this story, Jesus lifts the veil for us and lets us see things as they truly are. The tax collector went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. There's a tension between these two parables that occur in St. Luke chapter 18. On the one hand, we're given a picture of a God who cares for us and in whom we can be confident. In the other story, though, we're shown the danger of pride, of self exaltation, and the necessity of humility. The principle is that when we give in to self exaltation, we will be humbled by God, whether it's in this life or in the next life. But if we humble ourselves, then we will be exalted by God, which is the same pattern that's given to us in our Lord and Savior, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Therefore God has highly exalted him. The parable of the Pharisee and the publican then is a warning against self-righteousness, which we can define, I think broadly, as relying on oneself without acknowledging the grace that God has infused into our lives. St. Gregory the Great, a great biblical commentator, says that the fictitious Pharisee in the story models for us the contours and various forms that pride can take. First, he says, pride imagines that any and all goodness in the self is there entirely because of the self. It refuses to credit God or others for good, which is a major problem, since God is the author of all goodness. The second manifestation of pride is when one believes that goodness is received out of merit, an overly karmic way of seeing the world that reduces God to some sort of cosmic bookkeeper. It also ignores the fact that we can't do anything to deserve his goodness on our own apart from his grace. There is no health in us, we pray at the daily office. Third, pride boasts about having what it does not have. We see the Pharisee do this in the story. He acts as though he has attained justification when in reality, he has not. When the layers are peeled back and we see things for how they really are, we see not righteousness in him, but a putrid and sinful heart. And the final way that pride manifests itself is that it causes the prideful person to despise others. And this is egregious because it represents the complete breakdown of the Bayun Commandment that we hear every Sunday in the summary of the law at the beginning of the Mass. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And the second commandment is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. St. Augustine provides a concise assessment of the problem with the Pharisee. If you look into his words, he says, you will find that he asked nothing of God. He goes up indeed to pray, but instead of asking God, praises himself and even insults him that asked. The Pharisee exhibits what Mother Maria of Paris calls ascetic disdain. This comes when we only keep in mind the first part of the summary of the law, when we only try to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, but ignore the second part. It's not possible to do that because you can't have one without the other. If you want to love God, you will love your neighbor. And if you love your neighbor, you are loving God. As St. John warns in his epistle, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. We cannot, absolutely cannot, privatize our relationship with God. Rather, our relationship with God plays out in our relationship with people. If we do try and privatize our relationship with God, isolating ourselves from others, we always end up dehumanizing others, seeing them as a means to an end, making them disposable. And this is not compassion. This is not love. John Cassian provides us an admonition. When someone has no compassion for another's transgression, but pronounces a severe judgment on them, it is an obvious sign of a soul not yet purified of evil passions. But then we have the example of the publican, who doesn't lift up his eyes to heaven, beats his breast and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This man turns his attention only inward. He doesn't engage in a game of comparison with the Pharisee, but instead humbles himself. And in so doing, he's exalted by our Lord. St. Augustine tells us that pride is the root of all sins. No matter what we do that's wrong, we can trace it back somewhere to pride. And the reason for that is that pride has this insidious way of catapulting the creature over the creator, at least in their own mind. And when we do that, when we put ourselves in his place, we ignore God's law. We insist on our own will, our autonomy over what God has commanded. And of course, the great irony is that the more we buy into the myth of autonomy, the more enslaved we become to sin. When we elevate ourselves, what we do is we create an idol of God. We place him in a box. He becomes something we control, something we weaponize. He supports my political party, my country, my tribe, my desire to make money, or however else we might commit this kind of idolatry. And this causes us to miss something very important, which is that God works in ways that not only we can't control, but also in ways that we don't often expect. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine, St. Paul says in his epistle to the Ephesians. And St. Paul knew about this firsthand as he went from being a major persecutor of the church to one of its greatest champions. He discusses this in our epistle reading today. As to one untimely born... He appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God, which is with me. A stark contrast between his prayer here and the prayer of the Pharisee. And imagine what would have happened in the church if the early Christians had reacted to St. Paul's conversion the same way that the Pharisee reacted to the prayer of the publican in the temple. It would have been atrocious. It would have been horrible. Pride is so detrimental because it makes us miss what God is doing. We become blinded by our own self-obsession, and God becomes just a talisman for us to get what we want. And so we should take to heart that Bayune commandment that we repeat every Sunday before the Mass begins. Love God with all your being and love everyone we come into contact with. These are not two separate commandments, but a singular one, intricately connected. One necessitates the other because we recognize that every human being, just by virtue of their existence is created in the image of God. And so when we encounter them, there is this mystical encounter with God, and that should make us humble ourselves, esteeming others as higher than ourselves. And so our parable today teaches us that pride is a complete subversion of that Bayun law, because it means that we trust in our own abilities, our own merits, instead of God's. And therefore, we view others with contempt ignoring that they are bearers of that sacred image. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.